Historically and today, our country has been overrun by those with money and power, giving little voice to the everyday American. We're here to change that. Welcome to All Rise, the Libertarian Way with retired Judge Jim Gray. Each week, our program addresses the problems we are facing in our country, as well as thought-provoking and effective libertarian solutions. This could change the way you see opportunities in your life and your children's lives as well. Now, here is Judge Jim Gray. Hello and welcome once again wherever you are in our great country or, as we've said before, around the world. It's amazing how this Voice America gets around the world and it's just great. But this is Judge Jim Gray on the Voice America Variety Channel. Just happy as always, excited to be with you, share another edition of All Rise. The idea being, as you have heard before, that if we employ libertarian values, libertarian approaches, what are they? You know, what what everybody teaches their children, or at least should, uh, responsibility, roll up your sleeves, work hard, uh, equal opportunity for all, and uh, by the way, also don't tread on me, uh, don't tread on anybody, just live safely, live live uh, uh, like you would lo- want your, your children to live. And uh, we have a the voice of the future today with us as our guest. Uh, this will be my last guest on All Rise. Uh, we wrap it up next week. That will be a wrap. It'll have been 88 weeks that we will have done All Rise, the Libertarian Way with Judge Jim Gray. Again, if we employ these libertarian values, we will all rise together. But there's hope for the future because we have a young man here who I've gotten to know. His name is Seth Levy, L-E-V-Y. And uh, I first met him when I was running with Governor Gary Johnson. I was his vice president presidential candidate. Gary, of course, was our presidential candidate, uh, who was on last week, by the way. But this was in 2012, and Seth was the head of the youth and campus engagement for Johnson Gray back in 2012. And then when I was running for the Libertarian nomination this year in 2020, uh, he volunteered to be my campaign manager when uh, we had some logistical problems. He came in on his own from Colorado uh, and uh, stayed with us and helped me run that campaign. We're going to have some some comments after Dr. Joe Jorgensen won the nomination for the Libertarian presidential candidacy. Uh, he became her special projects manager, traveling really all over the country as an advanced man and setting up uh, special projects, did a really good job. He will have some insights into this as well. So, Seth, you are truly a well-regarded, you're, you're amazingly knowledgeable, sophisticated, and certainly uh, uh, into, into the internet and the rest. But how long have you been a libertarian? Welcome to uh, All Rise. And what led you to that choice? So, how long have I been a libertarian? If in, in a philosophical sense, likely all my life. Um, it took me a while to land on the path of the capital L libertarian. Um, I actually joined the party with Governor Johnson. Um, after his uh, run for the nomination for Republic, uh, for the Republican Party um, in 2011. So I came over with him then. Um, but I do feel, before that, I was um, doing work with the Tea Party, and this is the original Tea Party led by now Libertarian uh, Party member and life, lifetime member Matt Kibbe um, with FreedomWorks. Um, so, you know, at that time, doing what I thought was best for the lowercase libertarian movement, now I feel that I've brought it home to the Libertarian Party. 
Well, you, you bring up some valid points. Uh, I believe that most people are libertarian. Uh, they want to live and let live. Uh, they want to keep the government out of their bedroom. Uh, they don't want to rule other folks. They just want others to be able to live their lives as they wish, as long as they're not wrongly uh, affecting others to do the same. But So that that's my view is that the Libertarian Party is the only political party in the mainstream politically in the United States today. Uh, do you share that view? I, I do um, share the view that on a policy on the policy level, it is the only mainstream uh, party. And the reason I say that is you can meet anybody on the street, any rational American citizen, or really any rational human being anywhere in the world, and they will find that they actually, if you go issue by issue, they support a majority of the issues that the Libertarian Party supports. Um, the way it's packaged, the way it's framed, and, all, and the system that we live in, it makes it hard for the party itself to break through. But on the, when it comes to the nuts and bolts of the policy, a majority, the people will find that they are in line with the Libertarian Party more than any other political party. Well, Seth, as you're aware, uh, I was going to have a book uh, actually titled the same thing as this uh, podcast, uh, All Rise the Libertarian Way with Judge Jim Gray. And I was going to use that uh, if and when I won the nomination for president. Uh, and uh, I've sent you a copy of that book. But uh, uh, in that, I have like 10 different chapters, and we talk about various things like declaring war, going to war, uh, education, health care, and the rest, how a libertarian approach would address these things. Uh, and and I, I really believe that if people only understood what we are, who we are, uh, and of, in other words, if that special projects manager would have worked harder, uh, we would have won the president. Well, I don't mean that, but uh, <laughs> won the presidency. I, I really do think that, uh, that we are something special and in we are different from any other political party, uh, if only because we do not want to control other people's lives. Uh, and it matters hugely to the Republicans or Democrats if they win the presidency, for example, because then they will send lots and lots of government money to their friends, to their cronies, to their supporters. And uh, we wouldn't do that, would we? Well, no, and, then, and you're actually kind of hinting at what I see as one of the biggest issues that we face. And that, as a party, we being um, libertarian members of the Libertarian Party, um, and that is that, and this is based on analysis that I've done on local races, in order for a libertarian to be on an even playing field, um, depending on what race they're running in a partisan race with a Republican or Democrat, they have to re raise between six and ten times as much money as their duopoly opponent. Um, and that's because of the infrastructure that's been built up around these two parties. It's not only the infrastructure that they've built up on their own, which is entirely valid, but also the barriers to entry that have been built, that have been put into place by lawmakers over, you know, decades um, to stop competition. Uh, and th that I do not believe is valid. Um, and the higher, the more important the race, the more important, the higher that multiplier is. And if you look at our fundraising numbers, when it comes to down ballot races, we are able to win races because we're able to raise money, um, you know, six to 10 times as much as our opponents in many cases. However, um, when it comes to the presidency, 
we are we, we raise a even in our best year, which was t- 2016, we raise a small fraction of what the um, Republican and Democrat raised. So that that is one of our biggest challenges is either we have to change the way that um, the you know break down the institutions, or we have to build up our own and figure out a way to properly fund these campaigns. Well, Seth, I, I was horrified a, a couple of months ago. I read that the Biden campaign raised something on the order of $370 million in one month. $370 million just in one month. And money just makes much too much difference in political races. And for a lot of reasons as to what we just said, that, that it controls. If you are a supporter of Biden or Trump or, or the Republicans or Democrats, uh, it, and you're going to make something like $40 million in government contracts over the next year, it's certainly worth it to you to invest a million dollars to get your candidate elected. We don't do that. We, we would not gain by being involved in government. We would not want to rule other people's lives, control other people's lives. We would actually reduce the size of government. And, and, and as I say, and I expect you agree, if you want to get money out of government, you have to get government out of money. And that's, and that's really the, the deal. So you, as I said in my introduction, you, you volunteered, you were my campaign manager for, uh, for my nomination process. First of all, of course, thank you for that. But then the nomination went to Dr. Joe Jorgensen, a wonderful lady. You worked with her campaign. Just give us some insights. Uh, tell us about the campaign. Tell us about some victories. Tell us about some funny experiences. And tell us about some frustrations. I imagine that that'll probably take the rest of this segment for another 20 minutes. But, but have on. You have the floor. Get, give us some give us some insights. Sure. Well, let's look at let's look at the top line first because that's what most people will see are the number of votes that Dr. Jorgensen received and the the percentage of the votes that she received of the popular vote. And those are we I believe that this campaign exceeded expectations. Um, you know. Non-duopoly candidates, historically speaking, perform worse when an incumbent is running. That was true. That's true for libertarians, but that was also true for Ralph Nader. Um, his it, it's not just about name recognition, um, but if you compare to um, Johnson, uh, Governor Johnson, twenty twelve when you ran, um, Dr. Jorgensen um, actually outperformed. Um, that race. Um, last I checked, I think it was 1.2% and over 1.7 million votes. Um, that's an improvement. That's building on um, the progress that has been made since t- 2012. And I think that is a very good thing. There were many people who were concerned that this campaign, just before the nominee was even selected, that we were going to lose ground. And I believe that we at least stayed neutral, if not gained ground in this election, we being the Libertarian Party. So that's the top-line analysis. Now, what really attracted me to the Jorgensen campaign, because to be frank, I did not join the campaign right away. It took a while. It took a while for me to be convinced that it was worth, worth it to, to work on this campaign. And the reason I ultimately decided to do it was because um, in talking with the campaign manager, Steve Dosbach, there's, there was something very unique 
about this campaign, and that was it had a commitment to only hiring party members, Libertarian Party members, even sometimes, to be frank, at the detriment of the campaign. Everyone, even if it wasn't a job that was related to policy, you know, IT or, I don't know, uh, uh, material fulfillment, graphics design, you don't need to be a capital L Libertarian to do that job well. Right, and some of the best professionals in this industry are not libertarians. They they are Republicans, Democrats, or whatever. But this campaign wanted to make sure they were only hiring libertarians, and that's not to keep the money in. It was really the main reason was to grow the bench of the next wave of professionals in the Libertarian Party, because not only were they all libertarians, but almost everyone who was hired by the campaign was young. When I say young, I mean under forty. Um, I, I don't know what the number, exact number is, but I bet the average paid employee for the, Liber- for the Jorgensen campaign was 33. That's my guess. Um, and so what is a win? Well, obviously, Dr. Jorgensen did not win the presidency. Um, however, if somebody who was working on this campaign who wouldn't have otherwise because they maybe aren't as qualified as someone who's doing the same thing with a Republican background or whatever, um, if they go on in 2022 and volunteer for a campaign for their local city council person who's running as a libertarian, county commissioner, etc., and they use the skills that they built on this campaign to win, that is also a win for the Jorgensen campaign. Because Dr. Jorgensen really believes in the party. And so it was very important to her that party members were working on her campaign. Um, so that is a, that is a win um, as well. Um, so that is kind of the hidden thing that we won't really know, see the results of and t- for years to come. But I believe from the bottom of my heart that many people who are dedicated to the Libertarian Party, learned skills that they'll have for the rest of their life. Well, Seth, you, um, you, you yeah. really impressed me and, and flattered me because I learned that you will only work for candidates that you believe in. And uh, yeah. that's what you're saying here. Uh, your, your work's for Dr. Jorgensen because she wanted to grow the Libertarian Party to make it stronger, to make it uh, better and more able in the future. And again, may I sure. thank you for, yeah. for supporting my campaign. It really is quite a, a, a responsibility when you have people that are working with you because they believe in you. I did my best, and uh, you were <laughs> of much assistance. And, and we have a label for each of these editions. I think the label I'm going to put on this interview is the libertarian future is secure because we have really good and able people in for our future like Seth Levy. Well, thank you. Um, you know, and it's not just growing the party, though, because that was part of Dr. Jorgensen's message from when she was running at, when she was running for nomination. It's not just growing the party; it's growing the professional class, making sure that we have we build, as I mentioned earlier in this interview building the institutions of the party so that we are able to compete um, on a fair playing field. Well, certainly. Of course, then it gets us into how these 
elections are literally rigged because you're not going to be viable as a presidential candidate unless you're a part of the presidential debates. And of course, now there are only two of them for a variety of reasons. But the so-called Commission on Presidential Debates, Seth, as you know, is completely controlled by Republicans and Democrats, and they are absolutely dead set against any third voice coming into that uh, debate whatsoever. And if people around our country knew what was actually happening, uh, the League of Women Voters, when they were frozen out by the Republicans and Democrats, uh, the R's and D's wanted the League to stay there. They wanted to use their name, but the League of Women Voters would have nothing to do with it and left with the public comment that we will not be a part of the hoodwinking of America. And I believe that America has been hoodwinked now for, for a couple of decades as to this. Uh, you, I'm I know that there was a movement to have another debate at the end, uh, maybe a week before the election. Uh, it didn't work. But but tell us what was what happened with regard to that, if you know, and trying to get Dr. Joe Jorgensen, a legitimate third-party voice on all ballots in all states, all 50 states, should have had her voice heard in the in the presidential debates. Uh, was there anything uh, going on there that I've missed? Um, no, there's not, well. There's nothing that you said that that it makes me feel that you missed anything, but I'll give some more context. Um, so part of the problem, the reason that this third debate, this extra debate, if you will, um, was so late in the campaign was because people who you are people who are going to be in the debate, the Republican and the Democrat, they are contractually barred from participating in any other debate prior to the final Commission on Presidential Debates debate. So had, we, had that been scheduled earlier, nobody would have shown up. Now, um, by the time it could be scheduled, I think it was ultimately too late um, in the race, not for Dr. Jorgensen, but um, Trump and Biden, they had their get-out-the-vote plans already set, and working, you know, changing those up at the last minute was not going to be an easy task. Um, and honestly, I don't see what they would have gained from showing up. Maybe Trump would have had something to gain. I don't know. But they decided not to do it. Um, but ultimately, I, don't, I believe that the, um, the debates mean less and less every election. Maybe that will change. I, and actually, that sounds like a good thing, but it's not. Because I think that too many, this has become more of a popularity contest and less of a policy uh, debate. And the debates have become more like a blood sport and kind of like entertainment, not actually a way to learn more about our candidates. I honestly think the VP debate was a much more was far more substantive than either of the presidential debates because they, they, there's less culture warring going on on the vice presidential side. Um, it's more you know nerdy wonks like me watching, so um, it was actually more substantive. Um, so what does the future hold? You know, with when it comes to presidential debates, I don't know. I think that they're going to try. They're they're not. The, the commission on presidential debates isn't going away. I don't know how effective they're going to be in the future, and I don't know if they're going to be able to keep the monopoly that they've put into their contract in place without, or they might lose it altogether. So, well, I, I'm going to disagree with you a little bit on the presidential okay. debates. Uh, I don't think they're going to go away. It's theater. It's, it's emotion. So much going into 
elections now is emotion. It, it has, has almost very little to do with substantive, from what I can stand. Uh, you, know, you have the Democrats that are playing to the people that are down and out, the minorities and the rest. But, but uh, it, it's an emotional play because the minorities have not gotten better being under democratic rule. I mean, just look at Chicago, Illinois, places like that. But it's theater. It's just emotion. And, and emotion plays a great role, I think, in all of these elections. Do you not agree? Oh, I, I, I 100% agree with you. I just think that the, the, uh, the Presidential Debate Commission has not caught up with the time. They're still, their main broadcast is over the air, te- is on, on television. Sure. Most people are... You know, the the next generation, my generation, and even the generation older than me, they're not watching television, television anymore. And well, they're, the 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 number of people who listen to a regular episode of Joe Rogan far exceeds any other any television show out there. Right. Well, That's just I, one example. I'm, There's I'm a bit many old of, school, yeah. Seth. I, I I will confess to you that I am a bit old school because every morning I get up. I feed my dog, and then my dog sits up on the couch with me. You've met Nixie, and we read the newspaper. Uh, did you read a? How long has it been since you've read a newspaper, Seth Levy? Of course, you're the younger generation. <laughs> well, I do. I I read my local paper um, simply because that's how things are done where I live. Not everybody even has access to the internet. So the way most information is spread where I live is by the local paper, but a national paper, the Wall Street Journal or anything like that, it's been a long time. Yeah. It just, it just doesn't happen. They're, they're going away with the, uh, with the horse and buggy, I, I think. Actually, horses and buggies are coming back. But, you know, <laughs> we've seen so much money having to do with politics. Uh, I've said my view that you'll never get money out of government unless you get government out of money. But, but you have seen it even, well, firsthand this last election, Seth. Uh, how much does money have to do with a presidential race by Dr. Joe Jorgensen? Uh, she is who she is. Uh, she will have attraction. But, but how much difference does it make having lots of money as opposed to not as much? Well, first of all, having a winning message is, it helps ease the money burden a bit. If you look at the dollar per vote um, ratio, Dr. Jorgensen blew everyone else out of the water because the people we were able to reach with the limited budget that we had, um, they were convinced. Um, whereas I, wouldn't, I couldn't say the same thing about the Republicans and Democrats. Um, so that, we do have that on our side, but it's true that money plays a huge role. And you, you, I mean, you hit the nail on the head earlier um, where... You know, these big industries that have built them, their entire breadline out of, you know, government handouts in one, one form or another, um, they are going to contribute to the, to the problem. However, one thing that we have on our side is that the Libertarian Party, our, if we are in power, the average person, the average small business owner, they're actually empowered, and they actually will have a, they have a, they have a lot more to gain in total than these big guys that are feeding off the government do. So if we can mobilize those people, we have a fighting chance. 
Well, and, and I've heard that from, from numbers of people here on All Rise, that uh, money is going to make less difference in the future because of the social media. Uh, Art Pedroza said that last week on our show, and he's involved with podcasts. Uh, so I do think that this is something that will matter, uh, certainly to the younger generation. Uh, I, I listen to my podcast and maybe one others, but uh, I tell you, my children listen to podcasts all the time, and I expect that you do as well. So, so that's one way of getting money out. Of the uh, out of this equation, uh, I uh, quote Thomas Jefferson quite a bit on numbers of things. But one of them was when the Constitution was passed. His response was, "We're going to need a bloody revolution every generation to keep the vested interests at bay." Now, fortunately, I believe our Constitution keeps that revolution from having to be bloody. But how long has it been since we've had any form of political revolution? Probably the late 1850s when the Republicans took over from the Whigs. But part of that vested interest, like we were saying before, is this so-called Commission on Presidential Debates. It is completely controlled by Republicans and Democrats. Republicans and Democrats are vested interest. There's huge money, huge power, huge control because you only have two main parties freezing out the third parties. So, so we have just a couple of minutes remaining. Uh, what were some of the frustrations that you, as the special projects manager for Dr. Joe Jorgen, the libertarian candidate for United States president, that have experienced in this past election, Seth Levy? Um, some of the frustrations, I would say, have to do with um, dealing with uh, different factions. Even though we're a small party, we have different um, a lot of different factions within the party. And um, because we, se- we select our president and vice president differently, this year we had two separate factions kind of in, a, in an arranged marriage. And there were, some, there were certainly some growing pains, but I think that we worked through them um, through the campaign. Good. Okay. Well, uh, we're going to come back after these after a few messages. Uh, I had my own strategy, as you know, Seth, uh, when I was running for the Libertarian nomination to actually win the presidency. Uh, it would have probably gone through the Electoral College, but that would have underscored a, a huge differentiation between the president and the vice president. But we'll come back after these messages. I believe in the Libertarian Party. Big L. Lots, most everybody is a small L libertarian. They just don't know it. And that's our responsibility. We should be working harder because our message is a winning message and we're going to try to get this out. I've been trying to do it for the last uh, 87 weeks here on All Rise on the Voice America Network. Uh, This will be next week will be our last show live, but uh, you can hear any broadcast on demand. Go to www.voiceamerica.com backslash show backslash 3883. All you really need to remember is the backslash show backslash 3883, and you can listen to this broadcast again or any in the past. It's just been a pleasure to do to be with you. Let's hear a few messages. Come back with my final guest, Seth Levy, after these words. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. The Libertarian Party is the third largest political party in the United States, and it's more successful than ever. We don't just talk the talk of individual liberty and free markets. We also walk the walk. Libertarian Party candidates are getting elected to office across the United States. 
and we are making a difference. The Libertarian Party is also the only third party that routinely has ballot access in every state. Our achievements and influence grow every year, and you can be part of that success. You can register as a Libertarian Party voter in your state to help us achieve easier ballot access. You can also visit lp.org today to become a member of the Libertarian Party, no matter which party you register with. Join the Libertarian Party today at lp.org. Together, we can move mountains. We're with you wherever Alexa and Google are. At home, in the car, on your smart TV, and your connected devices. Hey, Alexa. Hey, Google. Play my favorite Voice America podcast on TuneIn. It's just that easy. But make sure you actually mention the name of the podcast show to make it work. Your favorite Voice America Talk Radio Network shows and hosts are in your car, outdoors, and wherever you need them to be. Listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. We are Americans all. You are listening to All Rise, the Libertarian Way with retired Judge Jim Gray. To find out more about Judge Gray, visit JudgeJimGray.com. That's JudgeJimGray.com. Now, back to All Rise. Well, welcome back. This is Judge Jim Gray on the Voice America Network. All rise, we will literally all rise together. And and I, I feel that we have been delinquent in not getting the word out better because the libertarian message is one that pretty much everyone will embrace in, in varied degrees if it only understood what it is. But my wife has asked me to involve a little intentional silliness into my show, All Rise, and I usually do it right here after the break. So I, I'm here to tell you that if you're paying $4 for a bottle of smart water, it isn't working. <laughs> that's that's the obligatory chuckle too from my from my guest. So Seth, you uh, you did very well with regard to that. So so good for you. But um, Seth, you were not only involved with the libertarian presidential campaign as special projects manager, literally going all around the country, but you also were, as I understand it, the campaign chairman for a commissioner race in Lake County, Colorado, a Hannah Waugh, who I actually had here on All Rise, a wonderful young lady, a promising upcoming candidate. Uh, tell us about that election, because it's the, we call them down ballot, which isn't derogatory, it's just the, the, the basically the boots on the ground uh, elections, and a commissioner is kind of like a, a board of supervisor in other counties, but tell us about Hannah Waugh. I thought she was a wonderful young lady, articulate, dedicated, caring, and uh, tell us about that election there in Lake County, Colorado. So I'd be glad to, and I don't consider them down-ballot candidates. I consider them um, candidates who can actually win and have a greater impact on your daily life than any federal office holder will. Um, so Hannah is, has been a libertarian all her life, just like me. But she's been a registered libertarian for, I believe, two cycles now. And she had a unique opportunity to run in a race against a Democrat um, in the race for county commissioner. And she lost by only a few hundred votes. Um, and it was, it was very close. She, but what was really 
great to see where the effort made during the campaign um, in discussing with Hannah, she wanted to do things during her campaign that would outlive the campaign regardless of whether she won or lost. Let me give you two examples. One is we worked with a um, charitable organization based out of D.C. called Free the People, um, a 501c3, to bring together leaders in Lake and Eagle County, two neighboring counties in western Colorado, to um, bring all the stakeholders together to get a discussion about restorative justice, transitioning the just the judicial system um, from a, a, the the punitive system we have now to a restorative justice model. Um, and uh, Hannah was one of the leaders in that um, effort. And that is an ongoing effort that's going to, that those discussions are continuing, but we've had many great discussions since that effort was launched. Um, and, it, and she's going to see it through, even though she didn't win. Another success or another initiative that was part of her campaign was building on the unique character that exists in Lake County. Everyone who runs in Lake County or locally Leadville, which is the big city there, um, they always say, we wanna, we're running to maintain our character. Hannah not only wanted to maintain the character, but build on it. And the way she did that was um, we hired a local artist to make a mural, and it was a campaign ad. Murals are very popular in downtown Leadville. It was a campaign ad, but it was designed in a way that could be easily modified to be a long-standing mural after the campaign was over. And the main paper in town, the Leadville Today, the day after the campaign, uh, the day after the election, and the words, you know, it was altered to be a regular mural, not a campaign ad. That the first political promise of 2020 has been kept. Hannah has donated this mural to the community. Um, so those were two great successes that I saw. Um, and the thing is, Hannah, just like the mural isn't going anywhere, Hannah's not going anywhere. She ha- she had the be- she performed better than any other libertarian candidate in the state of Colorado by a large margin. She almost won her race this time, and she is already planning her next run for something locally because she believes that the local races are more important than anything else. Um, So that was that campaign. Please please tell her for me that she has my full support on all of those projects. Uh, it cost me a little money, and I was happy to donate some money to her campaign. It really matters. I did see the uh, mural, which was a great idea. It's down home, and it's, it's something wonderful. And having been involved with the legal community, the, the criminal justice program for pretty much all of my professional life, uh, the restorative justice campaign is a huge one, must be addressed. Uh, we had, by the way, it was last November 8th uh, of 2019, a man by the name of Justin Brooks as a guest on here, all wise, and he is the director of the Innocence Project in San Diego, and Seth, it makes me cringe when I heard him say this, but he has done this for 20 years, and in that 20 years, he himself individually has walked 29 people out of state prison who were found to be factually innocent. So there's much work that needs to be done with regard to uh, the criminal justice issue. Uh, I think we do a good job in many, many ways, but but there's a lot of effort that needs to be done there. So again, tell Hannah uh, on any of those projects, uh, Judge Jim Gray is with her and will do anything I can to be of assistance. So well, we... Yeah, we- appreciated your support immensely. It was more than just the financial support. Also, the, the guidance was um, well-received. 
Oh, good. Okay. So at least as to show what not to do, because as I've said here before on All Rise, that uh, I ran as a Republican for Congress, I did not win. Uh, I ran then as a Libertarian for U.S. Senate, did not win, then for Vice President, then for President. The only thing left for me to run for, Seth, is King, so maybe you can be my campaign manager soon, well, and that's the only but thing I'll tell left you, for me. Don't forget that she, t- she told you, the re- you're the reason she became a Libertarian, your book, so... Well, that is that is genuinely nice, and and I I do have a new book, as I said, it's called All Rise: The Libertarian Way with Judge Jim Gray, and people can at least take a look at it. Just go to judgejimgray.com, and you can see lots of things, including and Seth, I I know that you're familiar with this, but about a year ago, I wrote what I call One Man's Libertarian White Paper. And it's about five pages, so it gets a little lengthy, but it shows who would the winners be in a libertarian world, who the losers would be, and and who are our what are our, our, our programs? And, and I, I really stand on it. It's not the best, maybe, but it is a good jumping off point. Uh, people just, if you go to judgejimgray.com, find my One Man's Libertarian white paper. I think that that will at least get you started. So, so thank you for that. Great. Seth, you, you were aware, and in fact, when I asked uh, Larry Sharp to be my running mate, he was from New York, uh, and he agreed. Uh, we had a strategy to actually win the presidency, and you bought into this. In fact, I think it's one reason why you agreed to uh, assist in our campaign uh, as, the man- as a manager. But we were going to go, Larry Sharp and I were going to spend most of our time for the first, like, two months in three or four small states. And I'm not sure which states, because I didn't get into it because we didn't win the nomination, but we were going to go there and look people in the eye in their shopping malls in and uh, their Kiwanis clubs, wherever, and say, your vote will make history. And if we could win two or three small states, we would have thrown this election into the Electoral College, and then I, I was certain that no Republican in Congress would vote for Biden, and no Democrat would vote for Trump, but they're restricted by a constitutional amendment, the 12th Amendment, that they have to choose among the top three finishers. I would have been that top third, and I think we would have stood a very good chance of winning the presidency. Uh, then, of course, uh, the the vice presidential election would have been thrown into the House of Representatives, so I would have had either uh, Kamala Harris or uh, Mike Pence as my vice president. That would have been an interesting combination, but uh, one way or the other, what did you think about that strategy, particularly because it was not adopted by Joe Jorgensen? Do you think it should have been? Uh, what? Do you, how would that have played out now that the election is behind us? Well, I think, if, look, look at the results that, you know, um, the results of the election, it, it certainly would have thrown it to the House um, if, had it been successful. Um, you know, th- the reason that I joined your campaign is the same reason that Larry did not run for vice president after you failed to receive the nomination. It's, it's the same reason. Um, once you were able to sit me down long enough to explain your strategy, that's when I said, okay, let's do this, because it was a plausible realistic strategy, not, there's no way in 2020 that a libertarian candidate was going to win enough electoral votes to hit 270. That wasn't going to happen. But the strategy that you and Larry had worked out was feasible. We have a strong enough movement that if we had focused our efforts in a handful of states, we could have turned them. Um, Who's to say what would have happened? But um, I do believe that if choosing the right mix 
uh, the smaller states, as you say, but independent-minded states on both the red and the blue side, we could have thrown it to the House. But, but longer-term thinking, I think that trying to turn those independent-minded states gold is a more important goal than um, the way that, that campaigns and the National Party has been run over the past couple decades. Focusing on trying to get to every state—that was—that was the Jorgensen. That was part of their part of the uh, strategy, and I adhered to it. We, Dr. Jorgensen, went to every state except for three, um, and those were all by for good reason. Those three, um, she wanted to go to every state, um, and the campaign did. Um, however, I don't believe, for the long-term health of the party that that is a good strategy. I think that we need to focus on building up our ground game, learning, just like the states are a laboratory for success, we can have our own laboratories, pick a few states, figure out what what plans work, and then once we are able to turn a state gold, elect some federal representatives, a senator or whatever, then we can take those lessons learned and apply them to other states and that, turn that make that machine grow. Well, we all see on either the social media or... TV or whatever, these maps showing red states and blue states, and you see them all the time. What if there had been one gold state? Just, just maybe Alaska, maybe Michigan. Well, probably not Michigan, but uh, Montana. Uh, you know, we had a gold state. That would be there forever, and that would bring us a great deal of legitimacy, and that was part of our campaign as well. Even if we don't get to the Electoral College, if we win a state, or if we even start making progress, hey, we're now polling at 15% in Alaska. That would get national news. We'd start getting... Huge. What's going on in Alaska for him? Whoa, who are these libertarians? That was the whole approach, and I think that we missed a, a bet by not pursuing it. Well, I mean, and, and I think you're right. I mean, just we spent, like, I think Dr. Jorgensen spent a total of three and a half days in Alaska, and in that time, she was able to get four front-page covers, and she um, spoke to the, uh, the, the city council of Juneau, the capital, and helped convince them to allow a local marijuana establishment to allow on-site consumption, which will be the first in the nation for that. So in just a few days, being on the ground in Alaska, yes. she, um, Dr. Jorgensen was able to make a difference. And, you know, there's this thing, you know, the Free State Project, which is an admirable project, moving a bunch of libertarians to one small state to try to turn it gold. My, con my con contention with Alaska is that the libertarians are already there. We don't have to move anybody there. All we have to do is create a viable option for the people who live in Alaska, and they will flock to it. They're independent people. They're, they're hardy. Yeah. They're independent people. And, uh, yeah, that's, that's part of the idea. Uh, how, did, how did libertarian candidates do in New Hampshire? Do you know that was the free state? Uh, we had <laughs> Nick Sarwark, our former director, uh, executive director, uh, or chair of the party, running for, so, uh, in effect, a district attorney. Uh, how, how, did New, how did we do in New Hampshire? So, unfortunately, we did not win any New Hampshire races. We did, we being the Libertarian Party. The Libertarian, Par Libertarian Party did have some wins, though. Um, the first time in 20 years, we have a, um, a state legislator named Marshall Burt in Wyoming. So, he, he won that race by a large margin, by the way. Um, which is great to hear. Um, we also had a bunch of stuff in California, believe it or not, where you live. Um, Kalish Morrow won city council race in Hanford. 
We had your friend, um, Wendy Hewitt, one city council in Calamesa. We had um, Jim Turney won his re-election. Kara Schultz won her re-election. Trisha Butler won Clarksville City Council in Tennessee. Um, we even had some um, small, like even lower races. Richard Risk won um, Fruitport Township Parks Commission. Those are all super important races. Um, in addition to that, we, we had some races that are known as ballot access races, where winning isn't actually winning, although that would be great. It's about hitting a certain percentage, and we hit those numbers in West Virginia and Wyoming and New Mexico. So that's huge. Well, it is. And we had Jim Turney. He's a, he's a friend. He's from uh, Florida. Uh, he was on All Correct. Rise uh, last uh, July the 10th. But I, I'm beating us up, Seth. This, we're not working hard enough. We're doing the best we can. But I'm asking our listeners, our audience, look into what libertarians are. Spread the word. It, take it up to you. It, it's our government. And if it's not working, it's our responsibility. It's our fault. It's our doing. And uh, we, we have the answers. And of course, I don't have all the answers, like I say here in the show. If I find someone has all the answers, I run in the opposite direction. But we'll talk about anything. We will discuss issues, just like we do here on All Rise. And uh, if I'm off the mark, uh, Seth brings up something that, hey, that's a little make more sense than I do. I will just accordingly. And we need to get these words out. Let me quote Thomas Jefferson again. And he said, and, and I think this is really important in the year 2020 to, uh, to understand, particularly, by the way, Seth, I saw a man wearing a T-shirt uh, yesterday that said, uh, what is it? Uh, <laughs> I, I'm sorry, I have to come back to that. But let me come back to Thomas Jefferson, who said, you know, words from the 1800s, which was another divisive election, might also inspire us as we choose with whom to share a meal virtually or in person. His words were, I never considered a difference of opinion in politics, in religion, in philosophy as cause for withdrawing from a friend. You know, that's we need to stop taking this so personally. We should be able to talk about anything, religion, politics, sex, whatever. We should be able to discuss it. That's what libertarians do. Yes, by the way, Seth, and you said this is way, there are factions. Uh, I've received rather substantial knife wounds, supposedly, from fellow libertarians because I didn't phrase it quite right or whatever. But, but one way or the other, we, we do have the hope for America. Uh, are you optimistic about the future of our country, uh, Seth, Seth Levy? If so, why? And if not, why not? Well, I'll give you a few reasons. So I am, yes. Um, I'm optimistic for one thing because um, at the end of the day, the government is only a small part of our lives. It's, you know, for some of us, we choose to make it bigger than the others, but at, on the aggregate, most people do not interact with the government on a regular basis. And as a people, we're good. So I'm optimistic for that reason alone. Regardless of who's in charge, um, we are good people, and our neighbors are good people. Um, so there's that. Um, as far as the political future, I'm also pretty... Um, you know, pretty happy, uh, all things considered, with the way the election went. You know, uh, we have a um, a Senate that will likely be Republican-controlled and a, and a um, presidency that will be Democrat. What does that mean? A lot of stalemates. The less that, the, that they get done, the better, from my perspective. So that's another reason to think positively. And the third thing is that I believe that as our... Barriers to information erode through technology. 
that more people will see the path towards independence. And what does that mean? That's not just in a political sense, that's in every sense. They don't have to be tied down to the man. They don't have to be tied down to this party or that party. They can actually seek their own happiness. And that's, that has, that's in spite of the government, not, government, not because of the government. Um, but there's nothing, and because of that, there's nothing they can do to stop it, whether it's Bitcoin or social media or just the internet in general. At this point, it is out of their hands. Well, and, and you bring on several really good points. Uh, let me again mention a triumph that I had in parenting when my three children were maybe seven, seven, and four years old. I was driving them in a rural area by a strawberry field, and there they have plastic over the field, and I, to this moment, I'm really not sure why, to keep the humidity up, whatever, but I said, hey, look, kids, look, kids, that's where they raise plastic. Oh, really, Daddy? Oh, really? And I didn't say anything. About five miles down the road, one of my sons said, oh, come on, Dad. You know, we have to challenge the information regardless of its source. And, and we've got to do that because there's a lot of stuff out there. Uh, I even heard Abraham Lincoln recently quoted as saying, you can't really trust the Internet because you can get the quotes wrong. Uh, if you believe that. Who knows? But, you know, I don't think Abraham Lincoln had the Internet, but we have to challenge the information individually. And, and yes, as barriers to information erode, but there's a lot of stuff out there, and, and we have to be critical. And, and to come back, I now remember the T-shirt, by the way. I could, uh, it was, let's make Orwell fiction again. And uh, in a lot of ways with this COVID, I think that's a pretty good, pretty good prayer. And, and I can also say, again, with my newspaper that I was reading just a couple of days ago, Seth, uh, you don't read newspapers, I know, but, but it was an article by John Stossel, who is really a, a good man in my view. And he basically said, you know, overall, all is well. Uh, we're going we're a vibrant country we're a resilient country regardless of all of the infighting and the progress that, or the lack thereof uh, we're going to be fine and and i believe that as well i'm optimistic about the future of our country our country is the hope for the world and uh, we've backed off a little bit on that uh, i've mentioned a, a few times it's critically important i don't know seth if i told you this or not you know that i've written a musical called uh convention, the birth of America. It's about the constitutional convention and the delegates there talk about bitter, talk about fighting, talk about debating and, and the rest. But the thing that each of those 55 delegates believed was the most important function of government was, was protecting our liberties from the encroachment of government. And boy, we've gotten away from that. Libertarians believe in our liberties. It's not just an accident that the word liberty is a part of libertarian, but uh, we are there. I I'm optimistic about our future, but it is up to us. And uh, Seth Levy, you have taken the, the reins in hand and are working hard for our country. I deem you to be a true patriot, and thank you for what you've been doing. Again, thank you for working with me on my election. Thanks for working with Dr. Joe, as well as, of course, Hannah. And if you're, I hope you help Hannah in her uh, future uh, future endeavors. Again, I wish I can too. What are what are the future plans for your next few years, Seth? Uh, are you you're back actually uh, earning some money again? And and uh, what what are your plans in the next couple of years? Well, in the short term, I am taking as as I had planned, taking the winter off. Um, unless you had gone to the we're going to the White House, then I would have had different plans. But Generally speaking, after the election, I was planning on taking the winter off, which is what I'm going to do. And then I pick up um, where I left off before this campaign season with my, I have a business consulting firm that 
has been running without me for the past eight months, and I'll jump back into the driver's seat um, come spring. So that's my pl- short-term plan. Over the long term, it, um, I'm leaving it all pretty much up in the air. It really just depends on the way things shake out. Um, and I like to keep my options open on the political front to see, uh, so I'm not closing off any opportunities that may come my way. Well, hear ye, hear ye, folks, and I love that saying, but but Seth Levy, as I introduced him, is really sophisticated, particularly for his years, uh, knowledgeable, very keen on the IT world. Uh, I've told him, I'll tell you again, that uh, one of my favorite cartoons shows a picture of a little boy in diapers, maybe a year, year and a half old, on a cell phone in explosive tears saying, no, Grandma, push F8. Well, I'm Grandma. Uh, Seth is the, I don't mean to demean you, but he's the guy that has all of this IT information. So give yourself another plug, though. Give us, give us the name of your consulting firm. What do you do? And uh, how can good people out there profit like I have from uh, having you be my consultant? <laughs> well, um, my, my logistics company, um, the consulting business, that is currently referral only. Um, but if, uh, if you get in touch with me, if you have a business that you think could use help, uh, what our focus is, it's on, uh, expansion and relocation, usually, um, out of the country, but sometimes seasonal, uh, transitions, you know, think snowbirds, but on, for businesses, and we do that as well. Um, get in touch with me. Um, just my email address is pretty easy. It's Seth at SethRLevy.com. Um, but as I said, I, we are, I, I'm, I'm one of those people who don't believe that you always need to be growing your business. If it's stable, um, if it's stable, then you can just stay where you are. And I'm not looking to grow. I'm not looking for any rapid expansion for my business. So personally, so right now I'm, I have a pretty full deck, but I, it's hard for me to say no if I hear a good idea. So don't hesitate to reach out. <laughs> Well, and I don't think I've ever heard someone in his plug for his own company saying, maybe you don't need me. Uh, maybe you shouldn't expand. Uh, that's, that says a lot about this man's integrity and, and where he goes. But uh, you're, you, you talk about expanding or transitioning out of the country. Uh, where, where are countries that you transition businesses to go to, and why would they do that? Oh, my goodness. Oh, so, I mean, all throughout the Middle East, North Africa, a little bit of Sub-Saharan Africa and the Caribbean and South America. Um, I'll give you an example. I have a client that's an automotive parts manufacturer, and they wanted to find a place close to the United States that was not subject to DOT regulation. Um, and the reason for that is the DOT has regulations on the, um, on the process of developing a product. So they wanted to develop a product, and then once it was finished, um, bring it to the U.S., so that when they knew it would pass with flying colors. So we found a uh, great piece of land in Haiti, which has poor infrastructure, a great place to um, work on a new, the new suspension product and develop that. Um, so they developed it there, um, and have, that's where their R&D facility is located. So I helped them with finding a, a location, picking the country out in the first place, and then complying with government regulations um, wow. in Haiti. Working in Haiti. So again, this just underscores libertarian values because 
our country, our governments are pushing good people out of our country. Certainly people are pushing people out of California because of this over-regulation, over-taxation. So look into libertarians. This is Judge Jim Gray, the libertarian way with Judge Jim Gray. It works. And I thank our guests. Seth, you are my last guest. This is the second to the last show. Next week, I just kind of wrap it up. But uh, you can go to show slash 3883 for our back issues. But I've been proud to be with you. Thank you for listening to All Rise. And listen again next week when I give a kind of a summary and talk about how you can hear this for the rest of time here on the Voice America Network. In the meantime, I will sign off again with my thanks to my guests by saying life is good. Why do I say that? Because by thunder, it is. Enjoy. Thanks for listening today. All Rise, the Libertarian Way with retired Judge Jim Gray can be heard every Friday at 10 a.m. Eastern Time and 7 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. We know you'll want to join us again next week and tell your friends that help is on the way. Strengthen my thoughts that help us control.